0: You know, the Celtic monks, one of their spiritual practices was to stand chest deep in the ocean and chant the psalms. So if you think you're cold, (laughs) before I read scripture, let me pray. Lord, may your word be our guide. May your spirit be our teacher. May your glory be our primary concern. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. The title of my message today is Remember to Forget. Philippians chapter 3, and I'll start reading halfway through verse 4. The Apostle Paul is writing... If, any, if others think they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word. Following Jesus is a lifelong process of dying to ourselves and allowing Jesus to come alive in us. And that's what Christian discipleship is. One day at a time, one step of faith at a time, persistent and persevering. And that's the message Paul communicates in Philippians 3. Repeatedly in this chapter, Paul talks about his life's purpose. He wants to gain Christ, to be united with Christ, to know Christ in his death and resurrection. And in verses 12 through 14, he gives us the powerful image of someone in the midst of a race, straining with all his or her might toward the goal, keeping his eyes on the prize of Christ. And Paul will not allow any person or any circumstance or any disappointment that's come his way to take his single-minded focus off of Jesus. He is a picture of perseverance. He's determined to persist in this race of faith, despite counter-influences and opposition and discouragement. Now, friends, that's not quite the message you get if you go into chapters or indigo bookstores. (laughs) If you believe the popular message of so many of today's self-help books, it's not about hard work or hanging tough or slowly, patiently building our character depending on God. Mostly what we see when you browse the bookstores are cleverly worded titles, the kind where if you follow a few simple steps, you're instantly going to be rewarded, right? Three steps to a happy marriage, if only. Five ways to improve your portfolio, huh? Seven habits for success. One of the most harmful illusions that our world foists upon us is this assumption that anything worthwhile can be acquired all at once. We think that if, it, if something can be done at all, it can be done quickly and speedily. Our attention spans have been conditioned to 30-second commercials and 30-minute sitcoms and short little text messages and tweets on our smartphones. The other door at our local grocery store at the Metro, I saw a perfect illustration of this kind of quick fix mindset at work in our culture. I saw a brand of foods that boldly called itself gourmet cuisine. Mmm, I thought, gourmet cuisine. You know what section I found it in? The microwave section. <laughs> In this sort of world, the gospel comes across as peculiar, as an odd challenge, because the act of becoming a disciple of Jesus is a lifetime process of dying to ourselves and letting Jesus come alive in us. No quick fix or instantaneous solution, but a prolonged, patient walk of faith. As Eugene Peterson puts it, discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction and that's what I think was in Paul's mind when he wrote about living the Christian life in Philippians chapter 3 there are no slick book jacket promises in his words no quick and easy secrets for becoming like Christ No, what Paul gives us here is a determined call for us to press on even when we encounter obstacles Even when the grades last term weren't quite what you hoped they would be. (laughs) Even when you're enduring pain or opposition or doubt or ridicule. And by God's grace, that persistence will pay off for us with the kind of prize that Paul pursued. The prize of knowing Jesus and becoming more and more like Jesus in who we are and the way we live. I think the Lord, through the Apostle, wants to say two things to us as we begin the new year, as we begin this new term at Tyndale. Number one, the past is behind us, so forget about it. If we're to make progress in our Christian life, there are some things we need to remember to forget. Forget. Paul says in verse 13, forgetting what is behind me, I do my best to strain toward what's ahead. And to emphasize that point, Paul uses a Greek word for forgetting that means an absolute, complete forgetting. In the ancient world, it was a term that was used when a runner would pass another runner in a race. Once he was in front, the the lead runner would not look back. He forgot about what and who lay behind him, pressed on, and kept his focus on the finish line in front of him. There you go. That's what John Landy wished he'd done years ago in Vancouver. Have any of you heard of the Miracle Mile? It's ancient history back in 1954 at the Commonwealth Games and the race was between Roger Bannister and John Landy, two runners facing each other for the first time, both of whom had had run almost to under four minutes and a mile for the first time in human history. Landy led the race most of the way, but coming out of the final turn, looking toward the finish line, he looked over his shoulder to see where Roger Bannister was, to figure out where his opponent was in the race. And in that momentary loss of focus and rhythm, Bannister passed by Landy on the right-hand side and beat him to the wire three minutes 58.8 seconds. Now, obviously, I'm not a runner. (laughs) But I would imagine one of the cardinal rules of running is to overcome the temptation to look to your side to see where other competitors are in relation to yourself in a race. Because when a runner turns even slightly to look, there's a momentary, a loss of focus, a loss of rhythm that can be critical when in races that are timed in hundredths of a second. And in that critical moment, John Landy lost his focus, and so he lost, his ra- lost the race. Don't be like that, says Paul. Remember to forget What do I mean? What things are we supposed to forget? What are we to quit looking back at? So, my brothers and sisters, please don't misunderstand me or the apostle at this point. Paul does not mean for us to forget our knowledge of God and Christ and the Bible and sound Christian teaching. The letter he's writing to the Philippians proves that. He doesn't want us to forget about God's grace and mercy in our lives because he's been talking about those themes throughout his letter. Nor is Paul telling us to be ignorant about our own personal past. We should never forget about our own personal stories. God has worked in our lives over the years, and certain memories of where we've been, maybe memories that once filled us with a sense of guilt or pain or or even bitterness, they can now begin to fill us with ever-increasing gratitude when we think about God's grace in our lives. You see, denying our past or trying to push it out of our consciousness is dangerous because it'll come back to stalk us and pounce on us when we least expect it. No, to forget what lies behind means facing the past. It means, it means coming to terms with it, seeing it now from the perspective Of God's grace and when we do that it will give us a deeper appreciation of the good work that God has begun in us Paul tells us to forget what is behind in the sense that that we need to let God's Holy Spirit to to break the hold the past has over us so that we can be free to live now in the present moment and strive joyfully into the future. The stories told after the American Civil War, the famous Southern General Robert E. Lee visited a woman from Kentucky who took him to see the remains of a massive old tree in front of her home. It was a tree that she had dearly loved. It held many Beautiful memories for her with with family and friends and loved ones gathering under its branches, a lot like the, the branches of the trees in Toronto the last few weeks. Because there at the foot of that tree, she started to pour out her bitterness and her anger to General Lee about how the Yankees, the northern artillery, the Federals, came and used her beloved tree to practice their aim for their cannons, and they obliterated the tree. And all that was left was just a bit of the trunk and a branch or two sticking out. And she was hurt, and she was angry, and she looked to General Lee for a word condemning those northern aggressors, or at least sympathy for her loss. But after a brief silence, Robert E. Lee is reputed to have said to her, he said, My dear madam, cut it down and forget it. Cut it down and forget it. It's better to forgive the injustices of the past than to allow them to remain and let bitterness take root and poison the rest of our lives. So friends, if we're to press on like a runner toward the eternal goal in front of us, we've got to refuse to keep focusing upon and returning to yesterday. We can't keep going over the past. I know our minds do sometimes, don't they? Constantly saying those mantras, if only I'd done this, if only I'd avoided that, if only my parents, if only my... root. Dwelling on the past, whether it's our own issues or failures or the ways other people have hurt or failed us, will only drive us to despair. So Paul says, forget the past. Come to terms with it through the divine perspective of grace and move on. And that leads me to the other thing Jesus wants to tell us. The future holds out hope Reach for it. Strive for it. Straining toward what is ahead, says Paul in verse 14, I run straight toward the goal. Again, Paul has in mind this image of running, of a runner coming down the home stretch, leaning forward, extending oneself, and straining to break the the finish tape. And the intent of that metaphor is clear. He's pressing on and straining, not for perfection in this life. We'll never reach that, this side of heaven. But for perseverance in running the race toward Christ, who has taken hold of his life. And in just the same way, you and I are to stretch ourselves, leaning forward with focused intensity, straining toward what is ahead, Pressing on toward God's goal for our lives. The stories told once about the great missionary explorer, my namesake, David Livingston. He was back in England for a brief visit after working so many years in Africa. Well, Dr. Livingston, somebody asked him, where are you ready to go now? And Livingston answered with these words. He said, I'm ready to go anywhere, provided it's forward. Think about that. I think that's exactly what Paul could have said. So brothers and sisters, let me ask us a pointed question at the beginning of this term. When it comes to your relationship with Christ, are you resting on your laurels? (laughs) On past victories or are you ready to move forward are you making some progress in your life with God are you seeking God's face and will and presence are you straining to grow in your understanding of God's Word and its implications for all of life are you pressing forward in your prayer life are you striving to be a faithful, loving witness for Jesus, not just with neighbors and friends, but even with the people in this campus? Just like John Landy in the Miracle Mile, it's tempting to let up when the sights around us look favorable. But we will finish well in the Christian race only when we persevere, when we fix our gaze on the goal. And keep our eyes on the prize, which is always and only Jesus our Savior. That's what, this, that's what message I think Paul wants to teach us. And Paul himself is our model because his whole life was a relentless, single-minded focus of pursuing and knowing and loving and serving Christ Christ. As we begin this term, may that be our overarching goal as well. Merciful God and gracious Heavenly Father, we pray that you would strike home to our hearts these words from the Apostle. That we will be enabled by your grace to see the past in its proper perspective and to let go, Lord and to strain forward with confidence in the future, knowing that you are the God who is sovereign over all history and over all of life and over our lives. So encourage us, Lord, with these words, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, friends, go now this week, this term, this new year, to love and to serve the Lord. Let's stand as I would pronounce a blessing on all of us. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon us and upon all those that we love now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen.